About America is Truth About COVID. And I have two doctors going to join me on the panel this morning. I'd like to ask them, invite them both to come up and just take a seat at the table. Uh, one is Dr. Kelly Ward, and the other is Dr. Robin Armstrong. And I want to tell you a bit about, yes, they're both coming up. And I want to tell you a bit about Dr. Robin Armstrong. I'm going to have him go first. Have a seat, though. It's great. Now, Dr. Robin Armstrong, I've actually known him for years. Could I sit uh, here for COVID? Yes. Actually, way over the Yeah, OK. Uh, so Dr. Um, I've known Dr. Robin Armstrong because of his political activity. And he is a, um, a, a strong Republican, which doesn't make him I mean, it makes him smart. He's a strong Republican, but he's also been a Republican activist. And I didn't know until COVID became such a uh, serious issue in, in uh, Texas, I learned something about him as a practicing physician. He had a uh, was the doctor. His his um, company that he owns or his medical practice was the doctor was the a practice that helped a senior citizen center in Houston where they had a COVID outbreak. And he handled it as a intelligent, actually educated doctor would do with science and evidence he knew about, had a tremendous success in, in protecting all these senior citizens as COVID passed through this uh, institution with the kind of things that doctors all over the country were doing kind of under the radar hydroxychloroquine, related protocol, which I can't think of, I'm sure he can say. So he was really brave in doing that as the medical community came on uh, with their more, um, what has become a very obvious um, agenda, which is to push everyone toward vaccines. So brave doctor, got a lot of great attention for that. And at this point, I'd like to ask you to play a quick clip of Dr. Rob's, Robin Armstrong. Time for us to start letting families see their loved ones. It's time for us to forsake the fear mongering and instead speak the truth to the American people to decide when and how to manage their lives and how to manage the lives of their loved ones. And that's why I'm so thankful for this organization that is doing that and getting that truth out, how vital that is. It's time for us as patriotic Americans to stand up against tyranny that has victimized so many Americans and, and, and certainly, especially the most vulnerable Americans. Dr. Robin Armstrong, and you can grab your microphone and stand up. You can grab that microphone, or this one, okay. Thank you very much for having me today. It is an honor to be here. I'll tell you, I, I am, um, she was talking about how um, Katie Hopkins did such a great job of presenting the information in a funny way, so I'm going to present it in a very boring and dull way, so uh, <laughs> get ready for that. Variety. So, yeah, I'm going after Katie Hopkins. Thanks a lot, Debbie. I appreciate that. So... So y'all better not fall asleep because I've got four sons and I will throw something at you to wake you up if you do. So, so yeah, so just as Debbie was saying, so I own Armstrong Medical Group. It's a hospital-based hospital practice. And it's also, we have a nursing home practice as well. And so and I own the group. We've got about 20 physicians and practitioners. And so my story kind of began uh, with this COVID pandemic in late March. Well, it began in, in the middle of March because um, my sons went on spring break and they never went back after that. So that was a big problem for me in regards to the pandemic. But in late March, we had an outbreak of COVID-19 in a nursing home where we have a large number of patients. And so usually I am um, working in the hospital. And so I have a lot of experience doing hospital practice because that's where our main practice is but but when there was an emergency at this nursing home we all sort of sent our troops there and that's where i i went as well um, the health department we had three physical therapists who tested positive for COVID 19. the health department at that time um, sort of ordered 
the nursing home to test everyone who walks in and out of the nursing home. So they tested all the residents, they tested all of the staff, and so we came back with 86 positive cases of COVID-19 in the nursing home. Now remember, this is, this is late March, early April, so this is very early on, on during the pandemic. And so we were pretty stressed out at this point, 55 residents um, and 31 staff members. So the next day, 31 of our staff members at this nursing facility were gone. They had to stay at home. So we were short staffed at this point. Um, and, and so we really had a big problem. This had come on the heels of Washington State where they had just lost 30 of their residents in a nursing facility. And so we were quite, quite scared at this time. It was early April, late March, 2020, so it was very early on. So we decided, you know, what should we do about this? Well, in the hospital, we had been treating patients with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. It was just routine. Every, every hospital in the country was doing this, probably every hospital in the world. And, and so we were treating them with this combination. And, and oftentimes, these were, these were focused very late in the course, in the, in the, so they were very ill and on the ventilator. But, but we knew that these medications were oral, and so we decided, why don't we do this in the nursing facility? You know, that makes sense, right? There have been studies in China and France that had come out and said that this, this was, you know, could be successful, that it reduced viral loads and studies that they had done. So we thought, why don't we do this? Now, now, keep in mind that this is a very elderly population, chronically ill population, very frail population. So this is the population that is most at risk of dying from COVID. And so, and so studies have shown that up to 20% of these folks could, could potentially die. Made that decision, treated them, rounded on them every day. I was in that facility every day. My partners were in that facility every day. And 38 out of 39 that we treated with this regimen actually survived COVID-19. Now, that is the reaction that I expect to get from that good news. But we didn't get that reaction. We actually got just the, just the opposite reaction. We found out later that we were actually the first group of physicians in the United States to use this regimen in a large number of patients in a nursing facility. And so we were preparing to, to write this up as an observation. It wasn't a study, never designed to be a study. It was, it was, an ob it was our observation. So we're gonna put our observations out, which is what good physicians do during a pandemic. You put your observations out there, you tell people what should be done. And so we thought it was gonna be the, um, the standard of care for all nursing homes in the United States and in the world, which it should have been. It became in, the, in our little region, but it certainly didn't in the world. We were attacked. National Public Radio, NPR, called. I did a 40-minute interview with them, you know, and they uh, thought the lady was very nice, but the story was very mean. <laughs> I had relatives say, I read that story, man. You're a bad guy, you know. Washington Times, USA Today, Rolling Stone Magazine, actually. I was on the cover of Rolling Stone Magazine. <laughs> That's kind of cool, huh? Right? That's kind of cool. I thought that was cool. I told my sons that, you know, I say, hey guys, I'm a rock star. Your dad's a rock star. I want to cover Rolling Stone magazine. That article was really, really bad. It was very bad. It was my, my, my 16 year old son, Gabriel said, uh, dad, uh, that article was really bad. That painted you to be something uh, really evil. All the major Texas newspapers did the same. You know, death threats were made against us. Social media attacks were vile and wicked. You know, I was Joseph Mengele, you know, the, 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 the Nazi doctor that experimented on Jews at Auschwitz. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. Then to add insult to, to injury, 
Um, someone made an anonymous complaint to the Texas Medical Board using the bureaucracy. It's a big point in a lot of my talks. So they launched, so the Texas Medical Board launched an investigation into my actions. Now, Texas Medical Board is the organization that can take my medical license away. So they can take my, my livelihood away, and, and, and so they have a lot of power. This went on for about nine months. Um, so had this cloud over me those nine months, $40,000 in, in legal fees to protect myself. They did eventually drop it, but with, not without a lot of uh, distress. Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts. Now, how many, of you, how many of you thought Elizabeth Warren would be mentioned today? Yeah. <laughs> senator from Massachusetts, she wrote a letter asking the Office of the Inspector General to investigate what happened in our nursing home. So she wanted to make it a big federal issue. So this was very odd to me. The attack was political, it was personal, and it sought to punish us financially by taking our practice away. So I didn't understand why this was happening. Now, I've been involved in politics, like Debbie said, for 30 years. But this was a new one on me. It really was. I, it didn't make any sense at all. Now, I believe there were some reasons for it. Maybe they wanted to punish me because I was supporting Trump. One of the headlines said, you know, the, the you know, Trump ally treats, you know, elderly patients, experiments on elderly patients without their consent. That's what one of, one of the headlines said. Yeah. So they wanted to punish me for supporting Trump. But I also believe that the left needed a reason to change our election laws. They needed a reason to shut down our schools, to shut down our churches. They needed a pretext to vaccinate all six and a half billion people on the planet. That's what they needed. And they used it for that purpose. Not saying that they created it for that purpose, but they certainly took advantage of a crisis. Remember who said that? They would use this crisis and the fear of death from this disease to compel us to do things that I never thought possible would happen in the United States of America. They knew, they knew that if a large group of elderly, frail, sick people could survive COVID, and that word got out to everyone that no one would fear this disease. I came to a few major conclusions as a result of this pandemic. Big tech, big corporations, including big pharma, and big government have no incentive for this to end. They are not incentivized for this to end. They have made billions of dollars, they've done quite well, and they've become empowered. The bureaucracy as a whole, and in particular the medical bureaucracy, is a mechanism to enslave us. How important, how important. Healthcare is so important in making these policy decisions. It is the mechanism that they are using to enslave us, and this will continue. Fear in politics has motivated many of the bad decisions made during this crisis. And the only way to restore our freedoms and liberties is to choke financially the nameless, spaceless bureaucracy who is making all these decisions. We have to cut off their finances in times of non-crisis. And my last point is the communist Democrats will do anything to advance their big government totalitarian agenda. They'll do anything. They don't care. Solutions for today. And this is what Debbie asked me to talk about. Sorry, Debbie, I got to it at the halfway point. Solutions are today. From the beginning of this pandemic, I mean, I've stated that the most, the way we should have handled this is we should have treated our most vulnerable citizens, 
We should have focused on them. We should have put billions and billions of dollars into our nursing homes protecting them. We should have done whatever we could to protect that population because that was the population that was most vulnerable during this. And that's what we should have done. They should have used our regimen that we used. Hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. Ivermectin certainly could have been added to that. Vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, all these things. They should have used that. And certainly vaccines is a consideration in this elderly and frail population. The mortality rate being as high as 20% in this population. And so you have to offer everything towards them. We never need to vaccinate healthy people, ever. Just doesn't need to happen. We never needed a lockdown on a healthy population. That doesn't make any sense. And, and, and viral avoidance is virtually impossible. You're not going to be able to avoid the virus. I was a microbiology major and I learned that a very long time ago. You cannot avoid it. We've never been able to do that. Wash your hands, sanitize your workspace, be wise. Don't get in people's personal spaces, which we should not be doing anyway, unless you're on an elevator. And I'll tell you, vaccines, vaccines, in regards to the vaccines, they're most effective when vaccinating specific high-risk populations. The mRNA injections, these are not typical vaccines, as I'm sure you all know. This is a very educated audience here. They're not typical vaccines in the traditional sense because it actually, you inject it with, you're injected with mRNA, it actually you know, goes inside of your cell, instructs your cell to produce this viral protein you know, which almost sounds a little Frankensteinish to me a little bit, where we're, our cells are producing viral proteins, but it's a science and technology that's been around. And, 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 and it turns your own cell machinery to create this viral protein. Long-term studies have not been done because it's not been around long-term, so we haven't, don't have those studies. You know, I, I, I take care of hospitalized patients, so I've seen a lot of very sick patients. I've seen a lot of folks in the ICU as recently as this past Friday, I rounded on them. And so there's a lot of sick patients as, as a result of this. Some of them unvaccinated, some of them vaccinated. But I'll tell you that, that we have to handle this in a reasonable manner and we've not done that. It's made everyone very suspicious. If we'd have just told people, say, look, let's focus on vaccinating this one population that's at really, really high risk. Offer it to them. Certainly mandates are absolutely not necessary. The vaccines offer some short-term protection, maybe six to eight months. That's why they're talking about boosters now. Maybe consider it for high-risk people with morbid obesity and diabetes. Consider it. Never should we have mandates, especially because there's clear side effects with this vaccine. Clear side effects. You know, and that's not something that's controversial. That's on the, the government's very website. It says that there's side effects to this vaccine. People have died from this vaccine. Not a majority of people, not a large, large, large number of people, but enough to be concerning and enough to question whether we should be vaccinating our entire population. It's on their own website. It's clear evidence. I've seen it with my own eyes, the side effects from it in hospitalized patients that I actually have, have, have seen sick because of the vaccine. Absolutely should be no vaccine mandates because it only offers short-term protection. 
If it orders, if it's short term, it only protects you short term. Should not be any mandates. Absolutely should not. Should not be any mandates because it does not prevent you from getting COVID. Doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. Should not be any mandates because it doesn't prevent you from spreading COVID. It doesn't prevent you from spread. There's been studies that have shown that people who have been vaccinated actually carry the virus in, in higher percentages than, than the folks who have been unvaccinated. Throughout history, we've always vaccinated specific populations, and we've always gotten in trouble when we tried to vaccinate everyone. My theory is vaccinated individuals actually are, in a way, prolonging the pandemic and creating variants. And I can explain to you scientifically why that is. So I may get in a lot of trouble for saying that, but I can explain to you why. Listen, if you have a, if you've been in, 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 in injected with something, you're producing antibodies to this but you're not killing the virus, which is what's happening. It's clear that it's happening. Remember when they said vaccinated individuals don't have to wear masks? Remember that? Well, then they changed and they said, no, no, no. Vaccinated people do need to wear masks. Why did they say that? Well, they said that because studies were showing that vaccinated individuals carry the virus at a higher load, higher viral load than the unvaccinated. So they said, whoops, we better get them wearing masks again. And so that's what happened. And so when you have that, when you have the, 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 these antibodies interacting with this virus that it's not killing, you're going to get variants that are produced. That's just basic science. Just like if you don't complete an antibiotic course and kill all of the bacteria, you're going to get the bacteria mutating and it's going to change and soon it's going to be resistant to the antibiotic. In the same way, you're going to create you're going to create viruses that are resistant to the antibodies. That's what the vaccine, I believe, has done. Now, that's a theory. I'm sure that'll be proved out later. Maybe next year they'll say, uh, maybe we should step back. I firmly believe that if we, if we had not had the vaccines or the lockdowns, we may actually be out of this pandemic now with less deaths. But we'll never get the medical bureaucracy to actually admit that. I wrote a declaration recently about vaccines, so I'm involved in a, in, a, in a lawsuit suing Mayor de Blasio in New York City. And this is kind of an interesting way. And talking about how, um, how um, um, vaccine mandates are, are, are unconstitutional in New York City and talking about how it affects the black community. I was actually having a conversation with Star Parker. I was in DC a couple of days ago and I was interviewing for her show. I was, she interviewed me for her show. And so, and we were talking about this, and she talked about how she was in New York City, and since Mayor de Blasio had made these, um, the, these mandates that, that you can't go to restaurants, can't do anything, she walked around New York City and was watching how all these African-American people were eating outside the restaurant when all the white people were inside the restaurant. <laughs> It was amazing how we, we observed how, 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 you know, black people can't go to banks and do industry, go to, go to grocery stores. We're, we're not allowed to do that right now because 74% of African-Americans in New York City have chosen to not get the vaccine. So now, does that sound like the 60s? Not allowing black people in restaurants, you know, separate but equal, separate outside. I mean, that's what's happening. And that's what we stated in that, in that, in that declaration that I sent in that lawsuit.
The Biden's administration unconstitutional vaccine mandate is not only unconstitutional, but it's immoral. And it should not be obeyed. Civil disobedience is certainly in order. And as my friend Simone Gold would say, I will not comply. And it's immoral because he's pitting one person against another person. He's saying, you know, I, he said, I know why you vaccinated people are so frustrated with the unvaccinated. I'm frustrated too, is what he said. I was so angry, so angry personally in so many ways when he said that. Because what we should be saying as healthcare people, you know, you know Fauci should be saying, he should be saying, listen, as medical people, if we don't convince everybody to get the vaccine, then we should be devising ways to treat them so that they can live. There's a lot of folks in the medical community saying, are saying, you know, if you're not vaccinated, then we're not gonna treat you and you should die. That is immoral and that is wrong. And if we, as health, let, let's say you believe the vaccine was perfect and did everything great. Well, the least, you, you, we should be caring enough to say Let's find ways to treat everybody because we're Americans at the end of the day. As of now, early therapy and treatment is our only way out of this pandemic. We're seeing a decline in numbers in September and October, which we did last year, but, but I suspect they may increase again in November and December this year. So we have to be ready for early treatment. And I don't wanna see one more you know, Christian, Republican, Democrat, liberal, I don't want to see one other person die from this. Early treatment is the key. And there's a way for unvaccinated people to get early treatment. www.aflds.com is a website that, that, that go and you can set, set up a telemedicine visit. www.myfreedoctor.com is another website. If you don't get that one, these guys are so busy right now. www.frontlinemds.com. I have all these folks, the, the, the people who manage these websites, the doctors who started them, I have them on speed. I can talk to them. They are people who just want to get these meds out and, and get people well. That's all they're trying to do. They're not trying to make a lot of money. In fact, they're not making a lot of money from this. They're just trying to get people well. Um, Simone Gold is head of the AFLDS.com website. MyFreeDoctor.com is a doctor out of California who actually, I, 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 you know, I treated him. We came down to Texas and treated him and he got well. And MyFreeDoctor.com and, and the www.FrontlineMDs is Stella Emanuel's website. And they're all trying to treat folks. They will get you early treatment. Make those appointments today. Don't wait. Don't wait until you get sick. Don't wait until you get sick. Do it today. Get the hydroxychloroquine today. Get the ivermectin today. Be taking vitamin D, vitamin C. Be taking Z. Take that stuff. All those vitamins, take them now. Take them prophylactically, the ivermectin and, and the hydroxychloroquine. They will get those meds to you. And if you get it, you get COVID-19, then go and get the Regeneron monoclonal antibody therapy. Get that. It, it works for people. You know, it does work for people. I've seen it. President Trump got it. And, and, and if you get it early, you know, have a, have a center in your region where you can get treated, that you have it on your speed dial in case you get sick. Other preventative measures, you know, that we should have been talking about a year and a half ago. We know from the very beginning that diabetes and morbid obesity are high risk factors for this disease. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're obese, lose weight. It's gonna help you survive this disease. 
If your diabetics, diabetes is under, not under control, make sure you get that under control. You know, you know I, I'm a vaccine freedom guy. Get the vaccine or booster if you feel like you need that and you have risk factors and you're comfortable with that. But if you don't want the vaccine, certainly get the medicines you need to protect you and your family. So I don't um, usually do this in a political meeting, but these are not normal times. And so if you will, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna pray. I never do that at a political meeting, but I'm gonna do it today because y'all are a special group of people and I think these are not normal times. So let's just pray. God, we thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God, you have given us the power to overcome powerful earthly and spiritual forces battling against us to steal our livelihoods and our lives. You've given us love, which covers a multitude of wrongs and strengthens us with the hope that we serve a loving God who loves us and loves this nation. And you have given us a sound mind to think through how we can fight and win for our lives, our families, and our country. And God, we thank you that we walk with your power, your love, and your sound mind. And we thank you that this nation will prevail, that we will have a strong fight for freedom and liberty, and we will win in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next doctor I'm going to call up is Dr. Kelly Ward. And I want to mention, is that those of you who were here last year know, she's uh, one of my uh, few repeat because she, she just has so much to offer in our discussion today. In fact, she'll be on later today talking about election integrity. But the reason I thought it was great to have her was, in addition to being a medical doctor, she's also a former lawmaker. She was a senator from the, in the, a state senate in Arizona. Uh, and she's also the chair of the Arizona Republican Party. So she really brings a perspective of medical practice, lawmaking understanding, political realities. That's why I want her to speak today. I want to offer you quickly this clip of Kelly. No, we don't have a clip. Come on up, Kelly Ward. No, sorry. <laughs> well, I was dragging myself. Well, wow, it's great to be here with so many uh, American patriots who are standing up, not being quiet, and ready to save our republic. Yeah? Are you guys ready? So I've got a little bit of housekeeping to do because apparently I got the pink memo um, from Debbie and, and from Katie. Um, no, there really was not a memo, but it was pretty funny to wait, you know, to come in and everybody had pink on. Um, and I wondered if Katie had a body cam or an, a, 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 a camera inside the elevator this morning because I got into the elevator, the, a lady got on on my same floor, she had pushed up. She needed to go down. I don't know. So, but when we got in, there was a couple in there, poor things, you know, bless their hearts, but they were huddled in the back corner, facing out with their masks on, with their arms around each other. Um, and of course, when I got in, I was like, good morning. What floor are you going to? Yeah, all, all the stuff. So I was wondering if Katie had that um, in the elevator. And Debbie, wow, this is amazing. Just looking at the agenda for today, I can't wait. So I hope you guys are ready to get all this knowledge poured in so that you can take it in and then spread it out. Because the people in this room, we are the choir, of course, people. We are the choir. And we've got to spread the good news of freedom because our country is at the verge of losing it. And COVID is exactly uh, the mechanism that they've been using, at least this time. So, so I think Debbie asked me to speak today because yes, I am a family physician. I was in private practice for over a decade. Uh, 
got a master's in public health with an emphasis in health policy, ran for the Arizona State Senate, miraculously somehow got in on my first time and was able to make policy, health policy and others. And then now as the chairwoman of the Republican Party of Arizona, the America First Republican Party of Arizona, just so you guys know. I've had an opportunity to observe this for a long period of time. Now, I know, and you guys probably felt the same way, whenever we first heard about COVID, um, it was very scary because it was a novel virus. It, w it had never been seen before, supposedly, um, in the wild or maybe in the lab. We'll, you know, I won't get into that too much, but um, it was scary because it was something that was killing people, especially those most vulnerable. People didn't know how to act. They were afraid. Um, 15 days to slow the spread has turned into over 500 days to, uh, I don't know, muzzle America is what it looks like to me. And um, so as a physician, as a scientist, as somebody who is in a scientific and, and physician family, my mom is a physician, she's a pediatrician, my husband is an emergency physician, my brother is an OBGYN, my sister-in-law is a pediatrician as well, we were very interested in the science behind what was happening. And so um, we, we were just gobbling up sci whatever scientific information was out there, and sadly, what we were finding was there wasn't a lot of information to support what was being done to us. Because believe you me, it has been being done to us. It is political science, not medical science, that is driving this apparatus. So, you know, I've always been an advocate for freedom. I mean, anybody who's followed me through the time will know that I've always stood up for faith, family, and freedom. Uh, I've, I, because I'm a physician, many of the things that I did in the health policy world when I was in the Senate and beyond uh, were related to health care. People wanted, well, they wanted my opinion until I actually gave it to them uh, many times because it, it's, it, and Dr. Armstrong will, will kind of attest to this, it's go along to get along many times in the, the medical world, whether it's in actual practice or in especially academia. And so that goes on into the policy world. And so there were many in policy who had no healthcare experience and they would try to thrust things out there. Things like, we should have community health centers inside our schools. Okay, well on the surface, maybe that sounds good. There are some places where people can't get healthcare and those kids need to be taken care of. But what comes down the line from that is, we need to have community health centers in our schools so that our children, who are as young as 10 years old, can make their own healthcare decisions with the guidance of people who are not in their family without even telling their family. Okay, that can't happen, people. I, I know for my, my own children, uh, when they were in high school, they, went, they were in a small, uh, Christian Academy when they were until eighth grade and then they went to the public high school because that's all that's available in my rural town in Arizona. Um, I would sign their permission slips because, you know, there are permission slips that say, you can give my kid Tylenol, you can, you know, and I would always write on there, no abortion services, you know, no psychological services, and then I would sign it and they all thought I was a crazy person, but I don't care because they're going to have it in writing that I don't want them taking over my kids. I don't think we need a village, I think we need a family to take care of our kids.
so these, these political decisions were coming down. And I had multiple conversations, arguments, uh, not any physical altercations, with many people in the medical community over time, both in my town of Lake Havasu City, Arizona, on the western border in rural Arizona, and really around the country, because some of my physician colleagues have also been brainwashed into this um, this cyborg that so many are in. I mean, they like plug themselves in and they're like, we're ready to go. Um, and it's, it's unconscionable to me because the data does not support what they're doing. If you're looking at masks in particular, masks have been studied for decades. There have been multiple studies and there also have actually been lawsuits. The nurses in Canada, uh, they sued over flu. It wasn't related to to COVID, but overflew two different times, and they won both times because they were being forced to do things that other people didn't have to um, if they chose not to get a flu vaccine. Um, and the courts agreed with these people, even in Canada, socialist Canada, that yes, the nurses were right because the masks do not protect. Just like Dr. Armstrong said, we cannot hide from a virus, people. You cannot hide from it. Um, viruses behave in certain ways. Now, I was a psych major in college, not microbiology. So, uh, but, but we all know viruses behave in a certain way and, and they've behaved in the same way since we discovered what they are. They do mutate. Generally, they mutate to be less virulent, less lethal. They, they might be easier to spread, but harder to kill the host because if a virus kills all of its hosts, then the virus dies too. So um, we, we just have been outrageously constrained by the government pushing these things on us. And, and Katie was exactly right on the masks I mean, at the airport as an example, but the masks everywhere. The masks are not protecting us. The masks are not uh, doing anything other than controlling us. Now, I don't know if you guys watched the speech from the inhabitant of the White House. Um, I, was, I was actually working a medical shift that day. I do some virtual telemedicine. So I was on my lunch break and I decided I, I guess I wanted my blood pressure to go up, but I, I watched this guy get up there and give the most tyrannical, authoritarian, totalitarian, anti-American speech that I ever think came from a podium with the seal of the White House upon it. And you remember that that guy, I don't like to say his name because I, I, you know, I just, you know, that guy said, listen to the experts. Don't listen to the conspiracy theorists. Don't listen to these doctors. Don't listen to those. And I did tweet out, uh, I am a real doctor, uh, but I don't think that that guy is a real president. <laughs> but basically, we are seeing the use of COVID as a way to push us towards not just socialism, but actually all the way to communism. And, and that guy also said he's going to use the power of the executive branch of the White House to do away with, to push aside the elected officials at the state level if they are not agreeing with what he does. Now, we're seeing that political fallout as related to um, Regeneron and other 
other formulations because you've seen that the the uh, federal government is decreasing supplies to conservative states like Florida and Texas. Okay, uh, and and I am very blessed because I talk to President Trump relatively, I think, relatively frequently, um, which I never thought I would. But uh, later on today, we're going to talk about election integrity, and you may have heard that Doug Logan, the CEO of Cyber Ninjas, got COVID, and he and a couple of other people, they were pretty sick. Doug, I don't think, was ever hospitalized, but some of the other people in the or on the team did get hospitalized. But I talked to President Trump about it because he was like, "Why is it taking so long to get the report?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, that's what we all want to know." But um, I said, "Well, Doug Logan, what I've heard, he has COVID." He said, "Oh." When we get off the phone, you call Doug Logan because we can't lose him. You tell him to get Regeneron. That's the cure. And you tell him to get it today. Do not wait. So, I mean, I, I attempted to do that. His voicemail was full. I sent him a text, and that was all I could do. But he did say, and you tell him I said to do it. Um, so, okay. Um, so this, this politicization of healthcare, of medicine, of our, our freedom and our rights. The removal of our freedom of our, and our rights is appalling, it's unacceptable, and you're exactly right, Dr. Armstrong, we have got to have massive non-compliance with the things that are wrong. It has to be massive. But I'm not seeing a lot of massive, um, you know, people who are willing to do it. I know that one of my roles, because of all the fire I've been through in politics, et cetera, is to give other people the strength to, to be um, faithful, not fearless. I mean, not fearful. Faithful, not fearful. Um, so when I go into a store, I never wear a mask. I don't wear it on my chin. I don't wear it on my ear. I don't bring it in with me. And many people will stop and ask and say, don't we have to wear a mask in here? And I say, you don't have to wear a mask ever. Yeah, um, and so be that example, be, be fearless. When I go through the airport, it, that's one of the things that really worries me. Are people gonna stand up? Are they going to rebel? Are they going to stand up for freedom? Are they gonna save the Republic? I walk through those airports. I do wear my mask on the plane, okay? Because I like to travel and I don't wanna be um, put on the no-fly list. One of my friends that is a state senator in Alaska has been put on the no-fly list for Alaska Airlines, Laura Reinbold. She is a great patriot. She is a fighter. She cares about the country. She can't get to the Capitol, at least not in any easy way, because they have taken away her right to fly. But when I'm in the airport, um, well, I feel like I'm anonymous, but I'm sure the NSA and uh, Facebook and everybody knows it's me as I'm walking through there barefaced and, and, uh, and proud. But I want to give other people the, the courage to, to do so as well. Um, and it is disappointing when I see people, like, they, they don't do it. Usually when I'm in the airport, I've been in the airport the, the last three, three weekends, and usually I'm the only one that doesn't have a mask on. Now, my husband was with me last weekend, so we, the two of us, had our masks off, which was, was great. But um, I think more people need to just start saying no, not just in the restaurant where they're, you know, where they're sitting, because there's no COVID in the restaurants, right? There's no COVID when you're sitting down. Uh, and, you know, walk the halls, go in the restrooms, don't, you know, just, we have to non-comply because it's easy to pick us off one by one by one. But when we are all together, they are not going to pick us all off.
So now, the vaccinations, okay? I, and I am in no way, shape, or form anti-vax or, a, you, know, a, a, you know, one of these, these people that don't believe in vaccinations. As a physician, I know that there are many vaccines who, that have saved lives. But what I have always been against is the government putting their, their jackbooted thugs into action and putting those boots on the necks of people and forcing them to inject something into themselves or into their children against their will. I will not, never stop talking about how that is wrong. Um, we, and all of us have to do that. If you want a vaccine, get one. If you don't want one, then, then you may have consequences or you may not. Um, if you want to wear a mask, wear one. I, you know, I might roll my eyes just a tiny bit because I know they don't work, but um, I, I'm not going to say, you, you know, that, that your fear, you know, you can still be fearful. I would never try to control you the way the government is trying to control us. These vaccinations, the inhabitant of the White House in his speech also said that the, you know, these vaccines are now approved by the FDA. Okay, they've used this ploy before because if you remember um, with the anthrax vaccine in particular in the military, there was a group of military people, personnel, who sued the government because it was an unapproved vaccine. So they politically got the FDA to approve the vaccine and the lawsuit had to go away because they didn't have that leg to stand on. But the thing with this is a bait and switch. Okay, because the vaccines that are readily available to all of us at Walmart or, you know, uh, I don't know, at your, at your, probably out in the hotel lobby, I don't know, wherever, they, um, they are not the ones that are so-called FDA approved. And remember this, not one booster is FDA approved. And so the, the move to try to force this mass vaccination of our entire population is unscientific, it's unproven, and it's never been done before. We have to ask ourselves why? Why? Why with this disease um, that is 99% survivable by the vast majority of our population, why are we allowing the government to become tyrannical over us? And why are they putting into action? I mean, I guess the answer is because they can. Um, I think that, well, okay, what about natural immunity? Because no one is talking about natural immunity in the scientific community. Natural immunity has always been accepted as a way, so if you're, you're naturally immune, you don't have to get a vaccination because you were vaccinated by God, you know? I mean, and, and nobody's gonna tell me that a vaccination from God is less effective than a vaccination from Pfizer or Moderna. Um, and, but, but we're not talking about it. We also are, are ruining science because science is about questioning. We are the scientific me method is to create a hypothesis, work to, to prove your hypothesis. But if you aren't able to, then you have to say that you didn't prove it. But you're always able to ask questions. But now we are being told to sit down, shut up, don't ask questions, lose your medical license if you dare to do something. With medicines, you guys probably have seen the, the, uh, on social media, the nurse who said there's all these rights. You know, you have to have the right patient. You have to have the right medication. You have to have the right dose. It has to be given at the right time. And the last piece of that puzzle is the right for that patient to refuse. 
Why are we taking away the right to refuse? We can't if we want to maintain our medical freedom and, and really our status as Americans. Um, we also have the right to try. Okay, uh, in Arizona, when I was in the legislature, we were one of the first, or maybe the first state, to pass the right to try legislation that allows patients to take medications that haven't gone all the way through uh, FDA approval or trials in order to potentially save their lives. We, Andy Biggs, who's our congressman, many of you may follow him, he's the head of the Freedom Caucus, he's awesome. He introduced that into the federal government. And so we all, as Americans, have the right to try. Why are we preventing people from getting hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin? Why, why, why? Uh, well, because they can, okay? So it's cheap, yes, it's cheap, and, and the drug companies aren't gonna make a lot of money. Um, but uh, we have to be able to get those medicines. My husband, I said, he's a physician. He's an emergency medicine physician. He's been right in the middle of all of this since the very beginning. He has prescribed hydroxychloroquine and he has prescribed ivermectin. He's been given a letter of education and Dr. Armstrong knows that is a form of discipline from one of the hospitals where he works for doing so. He's also had pharmacists refuse to fill his prescriptions. Now, we can't stand for that, people, because those pharmacists are practicing medicine without a license. We have to make reports, complaints to the pharmacy board. And you don't have to do them anonymously, like your complaint. You don't have to do it anonymously. You can just tell them these, these pharmacists are practicing medicine without a license. They should be held accountable. They should have a reckoning for questioning the what the patient and what the physician who actually is treating them think is best for that patient. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of, of time ahead of us. The thing that we can do to protect ourselves from the medical tyranny that we're seeing and to maintain our healthcare freedom is to get involved in the political process, sadly, that, that, that that's the only way we can do it. Get to know your local representatives, your, the people in your state house and your state senate, because they can provide legislation that hopefully will get to a Republican governor's desk and he will sign it, that will maintain the, the medical freedom. Don't count on the federal government to do it for us because, um, sadly, the, the, you know, we're, we are very farther, farther apart than 50-50 in the U.S. Senate. It's really about, you know, 5 to 95 if you look at the whole thing. So get to know your state representatives. Get involved politically. Stand up and be fearless. Do not be shamed. Do not be silenced. Do not be shut up and you will make a difference and you will save America. Thanks. America, can we talk truth about America?